hey, sit down, sit down. It's time for an animation celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. I'm Micah. Audio guys. Oh, I'm Matsy. That was so high it cut out in my headphones. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, everybody. We are fulfilling a promise that we made last year when we reviewed a goofy movie that we should probably review an extremely goofy movie the year later. And so here we are. That's what we're going to do. Um, but before we do that, I don't know. Let's talk about whatever else. What do you got, Micah? I bought some Lifesavers candy, like in a bag. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, which prompted me to remember that uh, we don't really see them in that uh, lipstick-sized column anymore. You know, um, on the candy they, shelf? They they had them in the store that I worked at before my current job. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah. I don't see them around too much. Like, uh got nostalgia for them. I'd actually uh, choose to spend my 65 cents on those. They're dangerous. Are they? Are, I Well, kind of. Like... They're sort of not technically a choking hazard because they have a hole in them and you can breathe. But <laughs> yeah, like I do remember like my mom always gets squeamish about those things because I think my brother got one stuck in his throat once. Oh, OK. And it's like because it has a hole in it, you can't do a Heimlich maneuver or anything because the air just blows through it. <laughs> so it just has to stay there until it dissolves enough to be swallowed. Huh. That's kind of terrifying. But the white ones are good. The pineapple ones. Yeah. I was thinking that <laughs> to, to date myself here, when they come in that column, I would mm. I would break them in half and then set them side by side to pretend it was Zaxxon. <laughs> it's one of those things where I think the packaging makes the difference, you know, like uh, there's <laughs> Whoppers malted milk balls hit differently mm -hmm. when they come in that uh, 500 milliliter carton. You know, that like, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I guess I have uh, more relevant stuff here. Um, I watched Bulgarian Treasure Planet. Man, I saw you tweet about that and I <laughs> wanted to watch it, but I couldn't figure out where to find it. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I did. You got to give me a. Well, I'll tell you. You got to give me a link to that. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, directed by Ruman Petkov in 1982. Um, it's just called The Treasure Planet, but uh, mm -hmm. Ruman Petkov, he did, he's worked in the animation industry for a long while. He, he um, did a lot of the Cartoon Network stuff like Dexter's Laboratory. He did, you know, various uh, animation work on it. The clip that I shared was of Billy Bones, the pirate that leaves the treasure map at the beginning of Treasure Island. Except in this, mm -hmm. he's on a... A futuristic flying wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> the clip is yeah. something else. <laughs> it is. It's sort of like I was trying to think of what it reminded me of. And it's like, do you remember a cartoon by Don Hertzfeld called Rejected? That was like a bunch of it was ostensibly a bunch of um, uh, animated ads for products that he had made that had been rejected by the companies. No, you don't remember that one? I don't think so. That was like, my spoon is too big. <laughs> no. You, you've never seen Rejected? I guess not, no. Whoa. Okay. Oh, you're going to change the recommendation for next we gotta week, We got to fix huh? that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. 
Anyway, there's one there's one segment there where it says like he was he was becoming so depressed that he started animating entirely with his left hand. Oh, and I was like, that's what that that clip you shared reminded me of the left handed part of rejected. I was thinking it was like um, the uh, Deitch Tom and Jerry's a little bit. Yeah, because it's got weird sound. It's definitely got weird animation. Well, it's got more animation. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it it's. I got to say, that bit is the pinnacle of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is the well. It, in terms of it being the weirdest, most entertaining part. Yeah. So, this movie is weird looking. You know, I. I feel like I, as I watched it, that I don't want to punch down on it too much. I mean, this is still a feature movie made, but 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 that I can see the ambition and the difficulties, right? Like mm. this was made with a multiplane camera, so that's okay. like a cat, you know, like three dimensional. There's there's uh, a cell will be on one layer, and then there'll be like another cell that's you know centimeters away underneath it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. As a result, I think that there there are parts of this movie where the camera focus isn't quite right. Mm-hmm. There's little oddities. I think that the uh, space background was done like it was done in contemporary um, live action space movies of the time. So I think it's a dark background with pricks through the paper so that light can shine through like stars. Right. Sure looks that way to me. Uh, and... At one point, they have a rotating three-dimensional planet, like a Fleischer movie. Oh, huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty ambitious. It's both weird. It's both exceedingly weird and yet not weird enough in some ways. (laughs) Okay. Like, I'm never left scratching my head. Like, it's, it's in some ways very standard, you know, here's our series of gags kind of thing, right? And Bugs Bunny like fast talk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just animated weirdly. I I wonder how on earth it got dubbed into English. Because <laughs> I, I don't know who too. wants. Well, it has adult jokes in it. Not mm. tons of them, but some of them that are certainly sexual. And okay. it it has a scene where a few shapely sea monkeys try to seduce Captain Smollett. Hmm. <laughs> okay. It's also got a weird ending tacked on that is like, it's strangely epic. I'll just spoil it. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think you're going to lose much by watching, by yeah, knowing right, yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so it turns out the treasure on treasure planet is what uh, Philippe, the main character describes as a Noah's Ark. It's this big gemstone in which is encoded enough material that you could recreate the earth in all its glory. See at right, the beginning right. the, the yeah, the earth is just some dystopia of machines, right? Yeah. But but it could be covered in grass and animals again. So Philippe has a noble sacrifice where he could either save himself or launch this gemstone toward Earth. And hmm. you know, he choose he chooses like I'm gonna spend eternity in this strange time well but re- revitalize the earth. <laughs> Funny thing is, it revitalizes the Earth like 
uh, Genesis in in the Star Trek movies. Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah, so it's just a huge fire that wipes all over the planet and destroys everything. And then, you know, it becomes verdant, you know, jungles right. and stuff grow everywhere all over the planet. And then that the DNA knows where to grow. Oh, yeah. And does it rapidly. So there's like instantaneous adult deer and, and mm. oh, eagles yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, and Spock's. Uh, <laughs> well, he wasn't adult. Well, yeah, but he grew quickly. Anyway. Yeah, he, um, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. And I can't decide. So also, there's a bunch of parachutes that are dropping in human beings. I can't <laughs> decide whether these are new human beings or just all the ones that were there didn't get... Like, it's the ultimate I can see their parachutes, yeah, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I like them as new human being, new adult human beings, that there's like... There's a jazz band that's playing their instruments while they're coming down. There, there's three people um, lobbing a beach ball between each other as they're coming down. And there's even a uh, a model sheet accurate Mickey Mouse that comes down to. Wow. Right, right. Um, now, I wasn't going to make fun of the animation too hard, but, but there is one bit that I thought was pretty remarkable. Uh mm -hmm. It's a funny scene anyway, like funny legitimately, but also funny weird Okay. that uh, there's a robot defense system that they figure out that, uh, oh, Captain Flint loved the opera. So that's got to be the password. So all the characters start singing an opera and uh, they didn't bother dubbing the song. So they just, you know, they're <laughs> they're singing the original Bulgarian. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so it's already kind of weird, but they. Uh, you know, they're, they're like waving their arms while they're singing. Right. And there's one character, they have his head on, uh, one cell and his body on the other, but they've planned it really poorly. Now, um, in computer animation, the term clipping will refer to when something, uh, inadvertently moves like a solid object moves from another solid object. Okay. So yeah. a famous one, you see in video games where like you can see guns or, uh, toes poking through walls. Um, yeah. A famous one is from Frozen, where Elsa's braid passes through her arm. Right. Anyway, uh, I you seldom see it in cell animation, but the hmm. guy's the guy's fist keeps passing through his neck because <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> quite planned right. Weird. Um, well, he's like swinging it back and forth, right, while he sings. Um, anyway, you can check out this movie if you like, but if all you did was watch the scene of Billy Bones trying to escape uh, the pirate Black Dog. You've already seen the best part of this movie, so. Hmm, okay. Probably save me some time then, I guess. Right, right. Um, but then again, you like uh, Deitch, Tom, and Jerry, so you might like this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I continue on my mission to complete My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. Yeah. Yeah, so I watched a bunch of episodes. I'll just give them a little rundown of, of, of the events and see what... Uh, See what sticks here. So I watched one where Smolder has to go help. She, she's the uh, dragon student. Okay. Uh, she she has to go back to Dragonlands to help her sensitive older brother. Uh, usually, I find Dragonlands episodes a little boring because they're visually kind of boring. But this one was pretty good. It's actually a Spike episode, but there's good Fluttershy in it. Hmm. You know, there's that cliche that uh, Fluttershy has to learn to be assertive every new episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's level up, leveled up here. Like she really uh, 
is proactive in this episode and it's kind of fun to watch. Mm, good. Um, let's see. There's one where, uh, <laughs> it's the, uh, the confluence where all apples will ripen at the same time. Oh my God. What a... <laughs> okay, it kind of sounds like they're stretching for things to app for Applejack to do at this point. <laughs> but this actually was an okay episode. It was a uh, one in which Apple Bloom is distracted by an old mare's tale about this uh, mythical plant deer thing called the Great Seedling. And if you can only catch it, then you can uh, have like a perpetual uh, harvest or something like that. Right. You know, when you talk about catching a sapling, like I'm picturing yeah. Jebri from Centaur World. The, the oh, right. That's running around looking for his jacket. Well, this just looks like a like an autumnal deer, like a deer made out of leaves and twigs and stuff. Oh, OK. All right. Um, so it's a Pokemon. Yeah, very much. Very much. Although Sawsbuck was the name of that Pokemon. When I look at it, it doesn't really look that much different than a pony or a changeling or other sentient creature from the universe. So sure. Yeah. Um, it's a little weird. The concept of that. They're going to capture this thing. Um, but yeah, the Apple Bloom is obsessed with it and not helping with the harvest. And they, they find out that Apple Jack uh, used to be, but now she regards it as just a myth. But mm. there, there are enough compelling signs that she catches, um, catches great seedling capture fever, too. <laughs> now, the thing about this is both of these characters have a direct line to Celestia. So you think they could just ask, but maybe they don't want to. They don't want to have her just say, oh, no, that's fake. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, isn't you're you're right. Isn't Celestia retired, though? Quasi. She would she'd still take a letter, I think, from her friends. Well, that's true. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dear Princess Celestia, today I learned to help my sister harvest apples. Also, is this se seedling real? Well, sure. <laughs> it was more like, today we let uh, Big Mac do all the work. <laughs> actually, actually, I did like a scene. They they, uh, they call in Goldie Delicious to help, and she's no help. She's too old and feeble to buck any apples. Mm. But uh, I did like seeing that Granny Smith still has it. Well, sure. So I watched one where uh, Starlight Glimmer is so busy as the school counselor that she has no time to do things with Trixie. I like their friendship. I think they're. A I do, couple. too. Yes. And, you know, I I'm resistant to Starlight Glimmer for two reasons. One, I think she's not that pretty. <laughs> and two. Um, I always felt there's something incongruent with the idea that she in some ways is the biggest threat of all and that she time travels, mm. but that as soon as she becomes a good guy, she doesn't seem to be that capable anyway. Mm. But this was an interesting episode of her balancing her work and leisure time. And it, when it builds it, it builds to a party for Mod Pie. And oh, it right. makes for, yeah, it makes for an eclectic mix of Starlight, Trixie, Sunburst, that uh, wizard with the goatee, um, Mod, and her boyfriend, Mud Briar. Oh, right, him. Right. It, you know, uh, 
it was pretty fun to watch these guys all work together. Hmm. I, I kind of like these episodes that aren't main six oriented, and there seems to be a lot of them. Yeah, like Maud, Maud Pye is one of my favorite characters in that show. She grows on me. Early on, I think her voice actress doesn't pull off the comedy, but... Hmm. I fell like, in love. She was my desktop for a while. I Oh, really? I fell in love with her right away. One of my favorite jokes for her is that she sleeps with hair curlers, but her hair is as straight as can be. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> yeah. So I watched one, an episode, that revealed Scootaloo's parents. Whoa! I know! That's, that's one of, like, the last mysteries that show has. Yes, and the funny thing... I'm in some ways a little disappointed because I always kind of imagined that she was like homeless or something, right? That she just lived in a water reservoir or under a bridge or something. And Rainbow Dash was just like a surrogate big sister to her, you know, that would take this homeless pony to have ice cream once in a while or something like that, right? Right. But uh, no, she's got a more organized family than you'd think. Including, so, yeah, go on. So is this like, is this like a revelation like, oh, Scootaloo's parents are here? Or is it just they've always been there, we've just never seen it before? No, they've not always been there. They're uh, busy, famous monster researchers. <laughs> oh. They're like a, a, a cross between um, Indiana Jones and Steve Irwin. Hmm. And... I thought this was good, that, that one of them is an Earth Pony and one of them is a Pegasus, which I guess accounts for Scootaloo's... Oh. Yeah, her, her uh, underdeveloped wings. You would think there'd be a lot of that then. You, you would, yeah. Well, I think she must feel extra cheated by uh, the cake uh, twins <laughs> that can oh, fully yeah. fly already. But, yeah, it's revealed that she actually has, like... um rotating caregivers right that people just kind of look after her and hmm. she she lives in a huge house so um they're they're not explicit about it but it's pretty obvious i thought about this recently that it's funny a cartoon like my little pony has no queer characters no obviously anyway right R- right there, it, there's some there was that one episode i think it was the 100th episode where they they just decided, you know what? All the fan theories about this show are canon now. And sure. one of them was Bon Bon and uh, Lara or whatever right. her name was. There was some bony and they decided like these two are always together. They're a couple. And then, right, right. Those they, they just like comment on stuff that's happening. Those two yeah. characters. And so right, then this right. episode decided, I, if I remember correctly, I think they like lived together but one of them was a secret agent of some kind. I haven't seen right. that episode in a while. But right, right. Yeah. Well, this one... Oh, it's, it's like that Simpsons episode that focuses all on background characters. They did one from My Little Pony. That one you're talking about, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Um, well, in this case, uh, Scootaloo has two ants who live together. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, subtextually, you know, it looks pretty obvious to me. But they're not explicit about it. Anyway. No. So the whole dilemma there... Well... I won't get into that. But anyway, but it, the, the big thing is, yeah, we get to see Scootaloo's parents. She does have them. Um, let's see. There was no. an episode. What? I was just going to say, well, we can tie a bow on this show now. It's the last <laughs> yeah, thing we yeah. needed. Yeah. We got one where Luna and Celestia go on vacation. 
Oh. Yeah. And they turn over duties to the main six, which is really, if you remember, the, the season starts with them just saying, okay, we're retiring. It's all up to you guys now. Right. And this is really sort of the way they should have done it in the first place, right? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, let's see if you guys can do this for a week. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's about how these sisters have been responsible for everything for like a thousand years. And so finally, they're going to get to spend some time together. But they're like oil and water. They want different things, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, Celestia, who's bored of courtly life, wants to do exciting things. But Luna, who spends most of her life in people's dreams, would like to do something mundane. Mm. Um, it's a good episode. It's good seeing them uh, in different context, and there's a good song in it. So, yeah, I like it. There was a, one of my favorite episodes is one where there was a friendship problem between Luna and Celestia that Starlight Glimmer had to solve, mm. uh, according to their, like, bat signal map thing. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Starlight's, like, panicked. So, like, the two sisters weren't getting along, and the... Um, the panicked Starlight's knee-jerk reaction was to cast a spell that reversed their duties. So Celestia had to oh, do right. Luna things, and Luna had to do all Celestia's things. That's one of my favorite episodes of that show. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, in this case, one thing that I think was good in the episode is they remembered, oh yeah, these two characters uh, raised the sun and the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's kind of something they gloss over, right? Or... Yeah, uh, they get incapacitated and somehow they're still day and night cycles. Well, yeah, in this case, they leave it to Twilight. I thought it was weird that she just does it by magic. I always thought that Celestia actually lifted these heavenly bodies, you know, that she pushed <laughs> them up. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I watched an episode where, <laughs> you know what? Hang on. I just realized something. A couple of episodes ago, I was talking about another of my favorite episodes. I think it was the okay. early episode of season two where uh, Twilight needed a friendship lesson and right. you know, she couldn't, you know, she needed to send a letter. She, I haven't sent a letter to Celestia today. I got to find something. And one thing that I liked was how the sun in the background kept moving like in stages, like instead of just slowly scrolling, it was like moving in chunks, like the ticking of a clock, like sure to demonstrate that time is ticking. Right. Right. It just occurred to me that Celestia would have been doing that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> She has to have a little reminder. She has to take breaks and meetings and stuff. Hold on a second. Tick, tick, twilight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, carry on. Yeah, I watched an episode where Pinkie Pie feels that she lacks purpose because everyone's <laughs> kind of like fulfilling them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, f- fulfilling their goals, right? So she thinks maybe she can find it because it turns out that she's sandwich is a big, <laughs> a big novelty factory owner now oh yeah but the deal is she's sandwiched by the way if people know is is a character voiced by weird al yankovic yes um when so, i went to a weird al yankovic concert in i think 2012 yeah. mm-hmm. um between performances because he he's he dresses up in different costumes for different songs and okay so there there are sometimes little interludes between songs yeah and he'll have the screen where he'll show like various like clips of cameos that he's been in okay. and all oh, the cheers from the crowd with just this little clip of cheese sandwich <laughs> yeah like the crowd was like yeah <laughs> he's pretty savvy like i think his appeal is universal but i think mm-hmm. he's also done well to 
ingratiate him to various fandoms. Oh, he was the, another one of the I recognized the clip as soon as it came up where um, it was just for, it was from King of the Hill. Yeah. And Bobby thought that um, Connie and uh, his friend were getting together in a romantic sense. And Bobby sure. was kind of and and it was just this little clip they played at the concert of Bobby going, I see how it is. I'm going to end up friendless and alone like Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> that's funny it is funny so in this case she she goes to him but he's lost his mojo mm. like the idea that uh he now sits in a factory and he's got a second in command who uh looks at all the analytics for what's funny everything's <laughs> become sterile <laughs> the funny thing that's is good Okay, I expected this to be a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory thing when Pinkie Pie gets a letter with an invitation to his gag factory. Right. Um, and the character, what was his name? Um, it's... Uh, oh, um, Sans... Hold on a second, let me make sure I know this thing. Sans Serif? No. Um, Comic Sans? Oh, San Smirk is his name. What? Well, he's like a comedian who doesn't laugh at anything. Oh, you know? oh, okay. Okay, I, yeah, get, in, it as in, I get it now. I get it now. As in like French for without smile, right? Right, got uh, it, got it, got yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Um, but he's a he's a pony with a bald pate, so I expected him to be an analog for Slugworth in the uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies, right? Mm-hmm. I'm picturing him voiced by Stephen Wright. <laughs> no, no, it's not quite like that. Um, but he, it turns out he's he's not a bad pony, right? Like he's got good instincts. It's just yeah. that what he's turned cheese sandwich into doesn't quite work, right? Right. Anyway, it's it's an okay episode. It's one of those cases. It's kind of like Babs Bunny. Pinkie Pie's the same way that she works best when she just has a joke rather than a setup like, this is funny. Here it is. Mm. You know? Yeah. So it's just an okay episode. Personally, um, I've never really liked cheese sandwich that much. I know. I know. It's it parallels when they brought back uh quibble pants, both these episodes mm. that tie in these popular secondary characters, but they're not great episodes. Speaking yeah. of quibble pants, the next episode I watched is another one with Buckball. Two Buckball episodes in the final season, at least two. Wow. But just like the first one, it's not really about Buckball. In this case, uh, there's an arrangement for the School of Friendship to face off against Celestia's uh, school in a buckball game. Oh, my gosh. So. Wait, Celestia has a school? Oh, right. The school that Twilight went to. Well, yeah, I'll get to that, how that's kind of weird. But so the School of Friendship has to basically organize a buckball team in two weeks. Mm. <laughs> right? mm. Okay. Um, and further. They need to organize a cheer squad in two weeks. I guess they had no sports. The, the plot of this episode is that Rainbow Dash gets an assignment for the cheer squad, and she's having none of it. Mm. This, this might be the jerkiest Rainbow Dash episode ever. Hmm. Like, she just straight up abandons her duties on the regular. Oh, that's weird for the uh, embodiment of loyalty. Loyalty, right. She got a... She got a uh, assignment from her her monarch but anyway 
the, the cheer squad has a couple of new ponies, like Valley Girl ponies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has Yoda the Yak. Yeah. Uh, uh, whatever the changeling's name is. And uh, Smolder the Dragon. And she's actually central. So in a weird twist, season nine has two Smolder-centered episodes. Hmm. Um, where she, she kind of... Uh, she's too cool. She just came along because because her friends were here, right? But in fact, she's actually secretly enthusiastic about the cheer squad, and hmm. she convinces Rainbow Dash that she's really being a jerk, and that uh, you know, even if she's not interested in it, she really ought to put in the effort because her students like it. Right now, are there pony students at this school? Oh yes, most of them are ponies. Okay, okay, okay. I was just thinking, yeah, she- like. I was thinking, like, they need a Pegasus for the Buckball team or someone who can fly. And it seems like there's slim pickings. It seems like Smolder should be doing that job. But if, oh. there, are, if there are various, like, background ponies. Oh, then, yes. Yeah, yes. okay. That's fine. That that actually reminds me of one of the weird things in this episode is that um, Celestia's team has, like, dampeners on them because she's got alicorns. Oh. What? Wait, yeah, whoa, that's, wait a minute. That's weird. It's like she's training... Her school is all about making, I guess, uh, specialty princesses like Cadence, you know? Yeah, I thought there were only four princesses, only four alicorns in the world. I don't know if they're all alicorns, but I know the one certainly is because she has a unicorn horn and a pair of butterfly wings. Oh, there was a line in in the original My Little Pony toys mm. um, that were, I can't remember what they were, but they had these like these like thin plastic, like butterfly wings with a button on it. And you'd press it and right. the wings would flutter. They, right. they might be like flutter ponies or something like that. That's, that's, that would be what that is. It, it's still weird to me that she does the, that I guess there's quite a few alicorns. Yeah. But if, well, if those are different wings, then I don't think she's an alicorn. I think she's some, maybe, do they call her an alicorn? No, no. Okay, so just, she's she's some other species then. I, yeah, I guess they're shoehorning a product in there. Yes. But it did seem weird to me that they bothered with that where um, Twilight Sparkle and Celestia are in the stands and uh, uh, Twilight comments about how the dampeners are working so that her two of her team members can't fly or use magic. Yeah, but, you know, this show is popular enough with everybody that they have to start throwing very specific bones to the actual My Little Pony fans. Right. Well, it, it did seem weird, just as a little throwaway line on a game that, or an episode that didn't focus on this actual game. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also brings the weird thing to me, like, what to, what do Earth Ponies have? Now, my pat answer is that Earth Ponies have considerably more hit points, and they get, like... A bonus skill proficiency and language, maybe, right? <laughs> maybe a feat. So, ironically, everybody plays an Earth Pony. <laughs> I haven't actually played uh, the official My Little Pony role-playing game, the tabletop role-playing game. Mm-hmm. So I imagine it has some answers, and I bet they're about the same. You know, they just have more hit points or something. Or... Yeah, yeah. Um. Oh, that also reminds me, it's kind of funny that Celestia's just in the stands. One of the good things in that episode where Celestia and Luna go vacationing is they don't gloss over that, like, the two goddesses of Equestria just walking around in Hawaiian shirts that other ponies, (laughs) 
other ponies notice, they're like, what? (laughs) Or (laughs) that they're like nudging each other. Look at that. (laughs) Anyway, I guess I guess that's my my lineup of important stuff from uh, lifesavers to my little pony. Great. (laughs) What do you have, Matsy? Let's see. So I picked up my list that I started last week of things on Netflix that I figured I should check out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Item three on the list was Dogs in Space, which I've actually already talked about not that long ago. A little bit, yeah. So I decided, let me skip that one and move on to the next thing. And the next thing is Final Space. Oh, yeah. So Final Space is a sci-fi series about this guy named Gary who is a prisoner on a ship. And I'm not really sure exactly what the plot is because I've only really made it four episodes in. Oh. But it's something to do with there is a villain who is it's it's one of those things where I was like, there's I David Tennant is in this. What character is he? Also, who is voicing this villain? Because that's a pretty cool voice. Hey, guess what? Those two things are related. Okay. I I love David Tennant. I'm realizing he's my he's my my favorite doctor. Okay. The 10th Doctor is the best one, and I will not hear any anybody who likes Matt Smith. He's okay, but the 10th right. Doctor's arc is impeccable. Anyway, so he's in this, but so it's been a while since I've watched this, so I don't really remember the details of it, but there's some kind of like th- this villain has the ability to like tear people apart with his mind or something, and Ooh. he's it's it's. When this one says nudity and gore, it at least means yeah. it, it at least means the gore is there. I'm not sure about the nudity so far, but uh, like yeah. the opening credit sequence has the humanoid cat character ripping the head off of someone. So it doesn't shy away. Mm. Uh, so my thing about this show is that the main character, Gary, is really obnoxious. Yeah, I hate his voice acting. I can't remember who voices him. It's either the creator of the show or Fred Armisen. I'm not sure which um, without looking it up. But I I really don't like the way that his voice is voice acted. Picture someone Mm. trying to sound like like picture someone who does not have the voice to be the tick trying to be the tick. Okay. And also the character is not the tick. He's just a wiener. It's okay. Now, I think I've watched a few minutes of this and I went in with a bad attitude already. So I didn't I didn't keep going on it. But it's kind of like original concept, but sort of homage to Star Trek, the original series, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's got a very Mm. small crew. It's like Gary is a prisoner and his companions are the ship's computer. There's a robot, I think, named Kevin. There's some little um, green thing. And there's this cat guy. Um, now Gary is obsessed with the love of his life. Uh, a woman named Quinn and he sends her like video messages recorded every day. And we see in a flashback that they met once briefly in a bar and she was completely not interested and shut him down before he got like taken away by the cops or whatever. Nice. And so, she reappears. There's some emergency and she is rescued by their ship. And obviously he's like, ha ha, Quinn, the love of my life. You finally returned. 
to me and she's like i literally have no idea who you are because it was five they met like for a few minutes five years ago and she had none of it okay yeah um it's so trite he's obsessed with getting cookies out of a vending machine and it just hurts every time he's like "Ooh, i'm gonna eat this like there's this whole extended sequence in the episode that i restarted the fourth episode i guess it is he's like because each episode starts it's kind of like a flash forward thing where everything is destroyed and he's just floating in space in a spacesuit with the computer telling him how many more minutes of oxygen he has left. Well, he I remember this. Well, he yeah. waxes about how heroic he is. And he's this fourth episode opens with the cookie flying towards him. And he's like, he's like, sure, he can get the cookie into his helmet before his organs explode or whatever. And I'm like, well, you shut up about the stupid cookie. Like mm. he's such an unlikable character in every way that it, I couldn't actually continue with the episode that I had already like I had already made it halfway through. I rewound to the beginning, hoping that I would remember enough about the series to pick up from there. But it was just so obnoxious that I had to shut it off again before I even got to the point that I had been to before, because I hate this character so much. Yep. Yeah, it's one of those one of those shows where. The impression it gives me right away, just on sight, it's like, I know what this is about. Is I I can't with that character. I Yeah. I tried. It came highly recommended by a friend of ours. Oh yeah. Uh, which is why I started watching it in the first place and made it through three and a half episodes. But okay. no. Coming back to it after a long break and seeing being reminded of who this character is, where it's is his only character trait is people telling him he can't do something and him insisting that he's great enough that he can and then he screws it up. So ah. forget this. Now, it's, hmm? it's a lonely, lonely life being a geek and a snob because yeah. I can just tell when stuff like this comes out and I think like mm. uh, all my associates are going to love this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know I will not. <laughs> well, at least one of your associates didn't. Okay. All right. So the next thing on my list was green eggs and ham, but I've already talked about that. And before I really made it any further, I saw another animated series on Netflix, which apparently I had made it halfway through the first episode of and had no memory of at all. Bad sign. It's called Adventure Beast. Okay. it's um. Oh, what's the guy's name? It's some Australian guy. He's an he's an author, like a real life person uh, okay. who is an author. Mm. And he's he's he goes by the initials BTG. Bradley Grieve. That's his name. OK. Bradley Grieve. This show, Adventure Beast, is about him as kind of like if you picture Steve Irwin. Second time we've mentioned him in this episode. Right. Uh. Picture Steve Irwin going out and doing like not just like not necessarily just going like, oh, here, I'm going to show you this dangerous animal. It's more like he's in the first episode. He's collecting he's doing a parasite census of the Ethiopian uh, grassland. Okay. He is like trying to he's oh, and it seems like in every episode he's dressed as an animal. So Mm. like he's dressed as an ostrich so that he won't spook the zebra so that he can reach into the zebra's butt and see what kind of parasites they have. All right. And his he has an assistant named Dietrich. He has had a series of assist, field assistants 
all of whom's names end in the ick sound, and all okay. of them have died within six oh. months. Yeah, this Dietrich guy has been his longest serving field assistant by, I think he said he's their longest serving field assistant by, he's been his assistant for 10 years and he's his longest surviving assistant by nine years and six months. Um, which yeah, he has done okay. by doing nothing. He's like the coward character who is just frightened of everything. But also, BTG's uh, niece, Bonnie, is there. And she's really mm. eager to pick up in his in his footsteps, right? Okay. So it's kind of a pseudo-educational thing where it's like, oh, this animal, you know, this this bird sits on top of this buffalo to eat the parasites off of it. And then the, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's explaining the symbiotic relationship of animals and that kind of thing. It's kind so, of nice. Yeah, except that it's also really violent and gory. Because oh. BTG is like mauled by lions and he falls, he, he falls off a cliff in his Jeep and the Jeep gets stuck in a tree and he falls out of it. And then the Jeep falls on him. And so it's kind of like, you know, the, the Steve Irwin injured on the job idea, uh, right. extreme thing where it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to look after these animals. I sure love animals. And I know I'm going to die in the wild, but that's okay. Um, So I'm really not sure what this show is exactly, but it's not exactly bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's your uh, critic quote. (laughs) I I watched the entire first episode, so it has that going for it over uh, on your second try. Well, apparently, but I have no memory of the first. So let's not hold that against it. Um, Okay. I will say that it's kind of nothing, though. It's not bad, but it's also not particularly good. It's just kind of there. Like, I don't know what its point is exactly. Man. But yeah, I mean, maybe its point is Netflix seed money. Like, yes, I'm like, I'm looking at images of this Mm -hmm. and you've already talked about Final Space. You know, these (laughs) shows just make me groan like, oh. This, Come on, try harder, please. On the design side, I there mean. really is a generic Netflix animated series look, isn't there? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's that's what I watched. So Final Space just annoyed me so much that I couldn't, although I do love David Tennant. And yeah. Adventure Beast, apparently it's OK. <laughs> your quotes on this show get better <laughs> like why why is this here apparently it's okay <laughs> it's not that bad it's fine You're right um, anyway that's all let's let's get on to today's business we've been talking for too long let's talk more okay yeah it's time to talk about some goofy Why don't you set us up on uh, before I talk about an extremely goofy movie? Yeah. Okay. so the basics on Goof Troop, as we all know from past episodes of this uh, podcast and many of our childhoods, Disney had a lot of success in the 80s and 90s with half hour TV series, animated series. They still do. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, Gravity Falls, The Owl House, Amphibia. But back then, it was still kind of a new thing to them. Uh, They had made Gummy Bears, which was very successful. They made Wuzzles, which lasted one season. And they made DuckTales, which was really successful. Followed by Rescue Rangers, which was also really accessful, I guess. Um, And then they started packaging them together in the Disney afternoon. 
where they would have a two-hour block of four of these cartoons. And for the third season of the Disney Afternoon, they cycled in Goof Troop, which is an animated series. DuckTales had Donald Duck in it, but it was more like a Donald Duck spinoff. Goof Troop right. was the first time they like really made an animated series that centered around a classic Disney character. In this case, Goofy, who lives with his son, Max, next door to nemesis slash friend Pete and his extensive family. And it was kind of just, you know, goofy flummoxing Pete at every turn and Max and Pete's son, PJ, being buds and doing stuff. So, you know, Mm -hmm. just slice of life adventure things in in Spoonerville. It was successful enough that it was the one that was chosen to get a movie made out of it. Well, I guess DuckTales did, too. And Rescue Rangers has recently. But at the time, it was like, let's make a movie and it's going to be about Goof Troop. So they they made a Goofy movie, which we reviewed one year ago. The basic idea of it was that a older Max was uh, eager to get into the pants or at least shirt (laughs) of a girl in his school named Roxanne, who uh, her feelings were mutual re Max's pants. (laughs) The problem was that Goofy had gotten some questionable advice from Pete in his in their job as baby photographers in the department store. And he had decided that the way to keep Max on the straight and narrow was to take him on a fishing trip across country. Now, Max still had designs on pants and shirts, so he told Roxanne that the reason... Oh, they had made a date to go to this girl's birthday party and watch the big concert on pay-per-view. Mm. And... Max told Roxanne that, oh, I can't actually go on this date, but it's okay because really my dad knows Powerline, the pop star, and we're going to Los Angeles to perform on stage with him. And so it became this road trip bonding thing of Max trying to figure out a way to get to L.A. and get onto stage with Powerline with Goofy struggling with Max really craving his independence. Yeah, it ended with them against all odds succeeded in succeeding rather in getting on stage and Max succeeding in at least getting to the lips of Roxanne. It, oh my. it seemed like things were about to happen. Max has a girlfriend. Everything is cool in Goofland, And then we get the straight to video sequel, an extremely goofy movie. And uh, yeah, how would you tell us how uh, Max and Roxanne's relationship went? Come There's to no think of it, Roxanne actually, actually, Come to think of it, tell us how uh, Goofy's job as a baby photographer went, too. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I guess all those Roxanne fans will have to settle for a House of Mouse episode where Max is dating her as an adult. But at any rate, he's moved on, apparently. Um, So the story begins uh, with Max, PJ, and Massey's favorite character, Bobby. (laughs) Practicing their extreme sports, specifically skateboarding, BMX biking, and inline skating in the backyard. Goofy and Pete are preparing a barbecue as a send-off for the boys to go to college. Those boys set up for us their ambition to beat the Gamma Moo Moo fraternity, the reigning college extreme sports champions. While Pete is thrilled at the prospect of being rid of his son, Goofy is deeply sentimental. Now, one thing neither of these movies address, doesn't Pete at this point have a teenage daughter? 
Uh, she he would, yeah, unless unless uh, Peg got uh, custody in the divorce. That's what we figure, right? Because <laughs> the second movie with no acknowledgement of Peg or Pistol, and I think last time we figured that one of the precipitating factors of of their divorce was Pete losing the the uh, used car lot. Well, maybe, yeah. These movies aren't really that much about Pete or PJ. Anyway, um, Goofy lectures the boys about staying focused on getting an education in college, and he uses horseshoe tossing as the metaphor. Naturally, when he throws the horseshoe, he does it in a clumsy manner that ricochets off a tree, lands on the roof, runs down the drain pipe, and then actually hits the peg. Later that night, Goofy gives Max a heavy antique adding machine that once belonged to his father. And will never be relevant again for the rest of this movie. It's in a, uh, a dream sequence. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, it's just a gag. Anyway, um, he also insists that Max pack his teddy bear. Max, however, cannot wait to get away from his doting, dorky father. The next morning, Goofy prefer- prepares a big breakfast, but Max and the boys hurry off in their van to leave for school. And then a glum Goofy visits Max's cleared-out bedroom, and he cradles the teddy bear and feels the full impact of empty nest syndrome. By the skin of their teeth, the boys avoid a traffic accident and arrive at the university campus. Despite their earlier bravado, they actually admire Bradley Uppercrust III, the college X Games king, when they see him at the Gamma fraternity. Life goes on for Goofy, and he goes to his job. In this movie... He's a factory worker at the Beacons Toy Factory. Which hit home for me because it's not entirely unlike the place that I work now. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you assemble robot toys? Um, I not assemble, exactly, but... Uh, this, this week I was packaging something called Giant Bubble, which is a powder that you add to dish soap and water to strengthen the bubbles and make them go real big. That's funny. <laughs> you handle various powders yes. in your job. That is That is exactly what my job is. So, Goofy, distracted by separation anxiety, he slips up on the assembly line and reverses the toy parts back into their duct and causes an explosion, and this gets him fired! Now, this is Goofy, so you would think workplace accidents like this must happen all the time. Well, that's why he has never had one job for more than one episode of a TV show. There you go. Makes sense. Yeah, and this was his last straw here. He's out. So, uh, Max skateboards around the college town, And does he ever get noticed? The Gammas notice him too, and they go to recruit him. Uh, At the time, mind you, Bradley and his associate Tank are shirtless. Bradley has nipples, but Tanks are not drawn, so all things exist in a balance. (laughs) Let's wait and see uh, some of the girls topless, then we'll decide how they... Oh, my we'll God. D- we'll decide. We're having a randy episode. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 we, we got to see what the nipple distribution is like in this world. <laughs> well, then I guess we're going to have to wait for the uh, the next direct-to-video se- uh, sequel in XX Extremely Goofy Movie. Yeah. An extremely um, horny movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. this kind of is already. Anyway, so uh, Max, Pete, and Bobby check out a cool coffee house called The Bean Scene. It's a beatnik bar, and a sexy beat poet in a beret performs on stage. At this moment, the Gamma Preppies catch up to Max. At first, Max is flattered by the invitation to the fraternity and team, 
But when they don't want Bobby and Pete, Max answers that they're a package deal. Brad takes offense, and his goons move to beat them up. But it's Beret Girl who comes to the rescue with poetry that rallies all the cafe patrons to the boys' defense. And if you're waiting for Micah to tell you the name of this character, keep waiting. Oh, right. It's so weird. We'll get to that. Um, so Max and Bradley agree to resolve their differences at the X Games. Loser becomes the winner's towel boy. Back in Spoonerville, Goofy speaks to a job counselor and gets advised that he needs to go back to college. He never finished. Uh, so you can see where this is going. I didn't actually. Well, here's what happened. No, I was I was having some trouble with this movie because Goofy's behavior was just so embarrassing. I had to okay. like kind of stop and start it a few times. And oh, I, you have I, Max cringe. I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Max cringe. for Max. Yeah, it yeah, was Max yeah, cringing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And at this point, I had paused it while I was tending to my idle phone game. And <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And as I was doing that, the dialogue I had just heard sunk in like. Yeah. Because I was thinking, like, man, does it unemployment agency like do they really. Their job is to get people into jobs. Do they really say, well, we can't help you unless you have a college education? And I was fixated on that because I've never been to an employment agency. But well, maybe not. I mean, not usually, but Goofy's got a big mortgage, one assumes. Yeah. So anyway, so, as I'm thinking about this, I was like, man, why do they you know, go to college? And then suddenly two brain cells in my brain clicked together and I went, oh, no, I see where this is going. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well, let me let me fill in our clueless listeners about what, what what's happening. So college life is difficult enough for the boys under the bullying of the gammas. But it gets way worse for Max when his dad shows up to class and Goofy is extra uncool in this movie. He dresses like it's the 70s. And at the start, at least, he has a big Afro wig until Max throws it away. Hmm. So though Max tries to lay down some ground rules about how they're both going to be in college together, Goofy overly involves himself in his son's life. He kills all his fun, embarrasses him, and ruins any chance Max has with the hot college dog ladies. This wouldn't be a Goofy movie, Without a shot of startling ink black feet. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, PJ does the honors when we get we see him in his bare tootsies and underwear. Tidy whities. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, Max gets Goofy to sign up for a library card so that he can ditch his dad while he's distracted. And what a distraction. The librarian, Sylvia Marpole, hits it off with Goofy as they bond over a fondness for the 70s. And in my opinion, in my yes. humble cartoon watching opinion, yes. Sylvia Marple is the hottest female character in this whole thing. Well, they succeeded then, eh? Yes. Well, I think their I think their attempt to make the hottest character ever was Bray Girl, and I hated her initially. Oh wow. Like I could see Oh really? Well, Initially, I think some of her poetry is pretty funny. That's the thing that won me over in the end, because okay. as soon as I saw her the first time, like the way they were shooting her, like the poses and the, the camera angles and things and the way she was designed, I was like, oh, yeah. this character is strictly here to be sexy. And that is really unsexy to me. But yeah, then but, she kind of she's her, good. Once she started to get a little bit of her personality going, 
I was like, okay, actually, this character might be kind of cool. Okay, and uh, by you saying that Sylvia is the sexiest, I guess you like her personality, too. She's all right. I, oh, the, you're well, just into her skirt, well, basically. Well, I, I don't, it's her face, actually. Like, just the way that she's... She, I, she kind of reminds, I like that she has a dog muzzle. Yes! That when she looks it, up or down, you can actually see that she has one. It's really striking in this... SWAT cats rock and rule world of humans with button noses. Yeah, right. So anyway, the, the two of them arrange a date for dinner and dancing. Actually, when you're talking about how charming she is, or at least I am, um, Goofy kind of hems and haws about asking her out, but she completes all his sentences for him. Yeah. So it's, you know, she's like, oh, he's he's goofing as he does. Like, oh, maybe you would mind. And she would complete like, uh, go for dinner. Uh, yeah, and and dancing, and she's like completing all the sentences. Yeah, and she's and she says, and I think it's like, uh, and Saturday night. If this were a Carl Reiner movie, she would say oh, that one's not good for me, and she would say another day <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, not quite as cute, not quite as cute as Max and Roxanne's flirting at the beginning of a Goofy movie. I really liked. No, I really liked that scene. But no, but they they this director and creative crew does a good job building. Yeah. Uh, believable. Uh, relationships. This is fine in its own right. It just kind of yeah, reminded sure. me of how much I enjoyed that sequence in the first Goofy movie. Okay, okay. But still worthy, I think. Yeah, um, right. yeah. So, with his head in the clouds, Goofy walks right into Max while he's skating in the halfpipe, and the collision transposes Goofy onto the skateboard, and by his signature bumbling, actually even better than bumbling, he turns out to be a virtuoso on the skateboard. Hmm. Well, his, so, his gigantic 70s coat and bell bars yes. help him out <laughs> right he glides with his coat like a hang glider and then uh uses his flared pant legs like parachutes <laughs> i can see his pants he's okay yeah uh, <laughs> um feeling the burn of being upstaged max blocks his father's suggestion that he join his sports team now bradley on the other hand wants goofy to join his team and at Max's unearnest approval, Goofy does join them. Now, I think the Gammas actually think that he's excellent when they recruit him. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, they probably want a psychological edge on Max. Uh, but neither is Max faultless here, because not only is he glad to have his dad out of his hair, but this is not explicitly said. I assume he thinks that his father will sabotage the Gamma team as well. Yeah, no, the I, I mean, that's... Again, I don't remember if that was explicitly mentioned, but it was pretty obvious to it's me not. that that was part of the plan. Right. So uh, later at a dance, the boys are celebrating their good fortune and Pete really hits it off with the beret girl from earlier. He has like a faux uh, existential poetry sort of personality that he puts on. <laughs> um, anyway, Goofy bribes the DJ to lower the disco ball and play shake your groove thing. <laughs> and then the groovy dog hits the dance floor dressed like a Saturday night fever. And opposite him, Sylvia approaches also bedecked like it's 1970. But you know, in this environment, their tastes actually prove timeless. Everybody's into it. Even Max. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> Goofy is so funny. Now, um, I love when Sylvia, shows up in her 70s getup. Goofy's horny reaction where his ears and shirt collar flutter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 
I've watched this scene on its own several times. Um, every time, every time I swear, I laugh when the shot begins with Goofy doing that split jump. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so later on, those two get closer when Kismet is loudly announced because their mood rings glow at the same time. <laughs> and then the scene cuts before we can see their energetic lovemaking. <laughs> So things go as planned. Goofy is too involved with Sylvia and joining the fraternity to bother Max and his crew. Uh, For the Gammas, Goofy gets a nearly perfect score at the qualifier. Unbeknownst to him, a rocket was applied to his skateboard and his uncanny abilities allow that to be a massive advantage. Uh, There's a joke here where the German judge gives a lower score. Hmm. But since the first thing that Goofy does is wipe out, it's really everyone else that's way off by giving him a perfect 10. Yeah. You see that, like, you see that in the Olympics, like, as soon as somebody goes down on a snowboard and they fall, like, oh, well, they're done. They're not, they're not getting a 10 anyway. Um, So Max takes his turn on the skateboard circuit, but Bradley uses his compact mirror to shine sunlight into Max's eyes and the boy barely does well enough for his team to qualify. Now, being upstaged by his father again makes the son blow up and emphasize his need for space. And then an upset Goofy is in no shape to take his midterm exam. He has a psychedelic fantasy about happier times with his son. But the dream crashes when Max grows up there, too. (laughs) This is a funny gag. On his exam, the first question on it is briefly explain the meaning of the universe. Yeah, I like that as a like... (laughs) Here's a really hard college question. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's a good gag. So a distraught Goofy blows off a dinner with Sylvia. He retreats to home and the counsel of his neighbor, Pete. Seeing Pete throw horseshoes reminds him of his metaphor about focus. So Goofy stops feeling sorry for himself and races back to college. Also down on himself, Max decides to transfer to a different college, but his friends especially Beret Girl, inspire him not to admit defeat to Bradley and to his old man. Now, at the library, Goofy begs for forgiveness from Sylvia. She accepts and helps him study to get his grades up. It's a curious montage and homage to Rocky, the movie Rocky, where Goofy trains for body and mind at once. Yeah, I'm not really sure why he's training his body. Uh, Just a joke, I guess. I guess. I'm surprised at some point he didn't study while beating on a meat carcass, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, refreshed Goofy. I, I'm thinking anytime Goofy would be punching something, the thing would swing back and punch him. Like, he has to sure. be doing harmless exercises that can't backfire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Goofy quits the Gammas and gets literally thrown out of the frat house. But when he tries to return his pin... He overhears the frat boy's plan to cheat at the X Games. Goofy tries to warn Max, but the headstrong boy is disinterested. And the Gammas do cheat in increasingly overt ways. They fire a rocket arrow. Yeah. You'd you'd think they'd have just pressured or bribed officials. Anyway, uh, Bobby, Max, and Pete are excellent enough to prevail despite the cheating, but that cheating wipes out all the other teams. The last event is a 3v3 skate, bike, and skateboard triathlon. Mm Okay. Wait, it's weird to you? (laughs) No, I just, 
you're going to get into it here, but I want to emphasize yeah. for people. Yeah. This is a three person per team event. Each team needs yeah. three people. Let's remember this. Okay. So you're saying, why is it a tryout? Why aren't they each taking a different leg of the course? Well, well, I, I mean, there's that, but also we'll see okay. what happens. Just, just tell them, tell the people what happens. Okay. So Pete gets launched far away by a gamma rocket on his uh, skates and nobody questions it. You mean Pete <laughs> Jr. Oh yeah. Sorry. I said PJ. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so Max's team will be forced to forfeit. Because they don't have three members. Mm, they need three. You need three people to field a team. Okay. Interesting. But in his moment of need, his dad completes the team of three. So the race begins. The cheating continues. It takes Bobby out of the race. Oh, but the so they don't have three people. Well, I guess three people need to start and it's whichever one person crosses the finish line first wins for the for the team. Hmm. I guess. They're not real clear on these rules. <laughs> so Bobby's taken out of the race and the Gamma's third is also taken out too by Goofy's clumsiness. Uh, when Bradley tries to use a remote control to activate the rocket on Max's skateboard, Goofy tries to stop him by straight up throwing his lucky horseshoe at the college boy's head. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he hits him, but the button gets pressed anyway. And the resulting calamity crashes Max and tank into the big X Games X, which topples onto them and catches fire. Uh, Max gives up the easy win in order to rescue tank from the burning wreckage with Goofy's help. But Max still manages to get on his skateboard and narrowly beat Bradley at the finish line. Worse for Bradley, an angry, sooty tank gets his revenge on his former friend by pulling his elastic bodysuit and launching him up into the air to crash into the ESPN blimp. Anyway, Goofy graduates with honors, and when he's set to leave, Max gives him the tournament trophy. The two have bonded again, which you could say is repetitive, but I think, you know, you do need to relearn those lessons as you grow up. Yeah, especially, anyway. if, especially if you have a dad like Goofy who isn't learning the lessons himself. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so when Goofy sets off for fun times with Sylvia... The couple pulls a joke on Max that Goofy, now having graduated, has gotten a job on campus and will continue to see him every day. It's just a joke. They got him good. <laughs> That's the movie. That's uh, an extremely goofy movie. Okay, there's two things that I want to mention real quick. Uh, All the, right. <laughs> I was complaining about this triathlon and how they desperately need three people per team and then team yeah. members are immediately start getting eliminated. Right. Did you notice that as they switch from uh, skates to bike to skateboards, the number of bikes and skateboards waiting somehow matched the number of surviving team members? Huh. Well, maybe they, uh, you know, this is a well-regulated event. Maybe they took away <laughs> well the, regulated. the skateboards. Well-regulated. Yes. I saw nothing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, okay, sure. And I don't actually remember what the second thing I was going to Was do. it about Beret Girl? No, it was something... I'm sure it was something about this triathlon. Oh, um, well, we'll come back to it when you think of it. Yeah, I'll try now, to remember. For, I, I probably said this last time we talked about a Goofy movie. I never much liked Goof Troop. Mm -hmm. 
you know, as a cartoon, I thought it was pretty puerile. Most of the plots were like Pete tells a lie and then he has to hide it from Peg. That's most of them. Yeah. Um, but if it had been an adult animation comedy series, like the many that have sprung up after The Simpsons. Yeah. And it was like this. I think it would have been really good. Huh. You know, with some uh, adult considerations. I don't mean like, you know, adult humor or stuff like that. But I mean, like, uh, really like issues that make sense for a college kid and for a 50 year old uh, single father, that kind of thing, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it would have been a good TV series. Yeah, you're probably right. Like, you don't get that. Like, you get the bumbling dad or the horny teenager. But you don't yeah. really get a conflux of both, like, focused on their relationship. Also, we would have gotten episodes about adult PJ. And you know what? I want to see more of him. That kid's got some game, first of all. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um... Also, I like the way he dances. Yeah. I think the Gammas, the fraternity, are too generically goony looking. I think they should have all been scathing portrayals of trust fund pretty boys. You're not wrong. Uh, yeah. I will say that I re I think I said this about the first Goofy movie as well. I really yeah. like the character designs of the incidental characters in this. Sure. Townspeople. Uh, um that, cafe goers that, at that the bean band, scene. That band at the cafe. Yes. <laughs> the drummer. Yeah, yeah. The drummer cracked me up with his like hunched yeah. over with this big long neck. Like, yeah. The character designs I mean, are so cool. Like just all the there's when Goofy or when when Max is on the half pipe and Goofy interrupts him. Did you notice that there's one background guy watching who's wearing the classic Goofy outfit of like a yellow shirt with a brown vest and this weird green stove type pot stove. Oh yeah. Hat there, on it. There's some other goofy stand-ins at the beacons toy factory too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, it's, it's a totally different body shape from goofy, but he's wearing goofy's outfit. Sure. It's sure. Sure. <laughs> there's, there's less emphasis on it. The first movie really leans into like, you know, let's show you some funny nuns and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But it's still here in this one. They didn't, they didn't repeat themselves, but the, the element is still here. Like, uh, that news announcer, the the, the uh, ESPN guy, mm -hmm. I thought it was really funny that the first two times we see him, he keeps his right hand behind his back for like half a minute <laughs> before bringing it around. It's kind of weird. <laughs> um, yeah, this these are these two movies are animators having fun for sure. Oh yeah, I was thinking about that. Like what you were talking about uh, last week with filmation, just oh, yes. diving into a grind of stuff they didn't really want to do. And then watch right. this is like, oh, this is this is what Filmation wishes they could be doing. Yeah. Or at the very least, uh, Disney TV animators. Right. Yeah. This is. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, we're talking about some voice actors here. OK. Uh, in this movie, in any nook where Jim Cummings could be pushed, they sure crammed him into this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Goofy's boss. Yeah. I was like, if this was any other movie like a Goofy movie, for example, if, okay. if this wasn't straight to video, let's say okay. that character would have been voiced by either Wallace Shawn or Brian Murray. Doyle. Oh, yeah. OK, sure. Guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's he's the college professor, too. Come to that, think of it. Windbag. Yeah. Come to think of it. Yeah. I think I, I think Wallace Shawn was actually the principal in a Goofy movie and Brian Murray Doyle might have been Goofy and Pete's boss. 
<laughs> you're you're right. You're ex- <laughs> that's funny. Okay. Your your point is exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Tank is voiced by Brad Garrett, being his Brad Garrettinessness. Boy, I I spent the entire movie going like, who is that voice? I know. Really? That. Did you? I did you? <laughs> I could not place it. I knew that Brad I knew Garrett it has one mode. I know. Yeah. And when I saw it, like I actually said out loud here in my bedroom, Brad Garrett, of course it's Brad Garrett. Like I was disgusted right. with myself for not getting it. But yeah, it, I, I spent the whole movie going, who is that guy? <laughs> the main man, Brad Garrett. Yeah. yeah. Hulk Hogan. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, a better Hulk Hogan, ironically. <laughs> um, Jeff Bennett is Bradley, and he's done so many voice acting roles, but he's best known as Johnny Bravo. Yeah, you know, I looked through his credits, and there were things that I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I know that character. I guess I know that character. The one that caught my eye was like, oh, now I know who this is, was was Choose Goose from Adventure Time. Oh, you know, I think he does that uh, ESPN announcer I was talking about, and... Um, I think that voice is more his recognizable voice. Yeah. Like when you hear it, it's like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I hear him in cartoons all the time. I actually thought Bradley was a different flavor of Rob Paulson for most of the They're movie. They're similar. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Beret Girl is voiced by Vicky Lewis pretty well, I think. Um, but here's the funny thing, as you noted, she's only known as Beret Girl. Mm-hmm. She's at least the eighth most important character in this movie, and she has a lot of lines. It's weird she does not have a name. Yeah, that's really strange. You'd think she'd have a name in the credits, at least. But it's just there, you know, and this person is the principal animator of Beret Girl. Um, Even... And she even... Go on, yeah. uh, Even in The Lion King, Nala's mom, who is in one scene and has one line of dialogue... Hmm, what do you think, Sarabi? Even right. she has a canonical name. It's Serafina. Hmm. You know, um, there's an end credits part of this movie that's very enjoyable where it's each of them dancing to We Gotta Get Right Back to Where We Started From. And she has a focus on that end credits. <laughs> Again, it's weird, right? Yeah. Now, this, this, is, this is the big mystery uh, this is like Scootaloo's parents. Um, I When we watched the other movie, I had an ambition. I was looking up the people who worked on this movie. Unfortunately, the screenwriter, the screenwriter has passed on. Mm. But I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll ask the director. Right? Like I found his social media, but it's not like he was putting it out there. So I assume it's just like to keep up with his niece's volleyball team or whatever. Right. It's not, it's not for, it's not for people to come on and ask, Hey, what's the girl's name from that movie you directed 20 years ago? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think I'm fine just saying it's a mystery. Who knows? You think fans would have an idea, but beret girl. I have just decided that her name is Monique. That's a good choice. Okay. Monique. Well, let me rethink this. Hmm. I, I think that's a good choice. Well, here's, let me explain my rethinking. Mm-hmm. It's It's got two phases. Phase one, okay. phase one is, apparently yeah. this is PJ's girlfriend now. And if, At least for this movie. And if they're going to stay together and get married, her name needs yeah. to start with a P. In order to keep up the tradition, yes. Yeah. Eh? So maybe she's like Paige. 
But then the other thing I thought was, apparently these movies have established that these relationships don't last. Right. She's just going to go in the bin with Roxanne. And Peg, apparently. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah, who knows? Peg's a big shot realtor now, though. Yeah, yeah. I assume. By the way, something I'd learned just today when I was looking up Goof Troop, just to refresh my memory. Do you know why she's named Peg? Why is that? Because of Peg Leg Pete. Oh, that's okay. Sure. Yeah, they just. <laughs> I was gonna say that's cute. But yeah. Okay. They, <laughs> one of my favorite episodes of. He still got his peg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes of Ren and Stimpy is one where Stimpy wanted to animate a cartoon about okay. a pup named Explodey, and yeah, <laughs> the thing that made me laugh a lot in that. Well, I mean that episode's all about animation, so it was pretty amusing for that. But the thing that made okay. me laugh the most was that the villain in Stimpy's terrible cartoon, uh, Exploity's girlfriend, Poopy, I think her name is, she looks out the window at some point and she's like, oh my God, Exploity, it's Peg Pelvis Pete. And this guy who's like Pete, but he's just one big peg from the waist down, just hopping along the road. That was really funny, I thought. That's cute. I should have sprung it on me as the short <laughs> for next week. <laughs> I think it might have been a full half hour episode. Oh, is it? Okay. I have one more thing about uh, about the the sexy dog ladies of, of the goofy movies. Yeah, okay. Um, I guess it's the custom of the era and 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 setting that they'll often hide their dog ears in their hair. Like I, some dogs kind of have fur that hides their ears but not all of them and most of the dog ladies do this in this show yeah yeah i was comparing it to like uh sherlock hound where in some ways it would look weird because that's you know pre-1900 and they often have those giant governess bouffants so it looks a little weird their ears on the outside of those big hairstyles yeah so i guess I guess there's no winning when you want to make a sexy dog girl and put those dog ears on yeah i mean it depends on the dog ears like, yeah. you could go the SWAT cats route and just have them sticking out the top. Sure, sure. Or again, if we'd gotten like the love scene or something, maybe there'd be a bit where Goofy would tussle her hair and you'd see what her ear looked like, a Sylvia. Well, and, wait a minute. Anyway. Now that you mention it, she puts her hair up when she's in the when she's dancing. You're right. You're right. Hang on. You keep talking. Vamp a little bit while I try to find this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, I see more of the Ghost in the Shell opening. Uh, <laughs> hang on, hang on. By the way, everybody, any 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 uh, listener who speaks Russian, how is my phonetic Russian? I bet pretty terrible. I'm I'm sure you did, she didn't have ears. She might have had ear rings though. Oh, I re- uh. I remember the other thing. Oh, she does have earrings. Okay, hang on. Let me get a close up of this. There's a good shot. Okay. Uh, huh. Uh, what? I thought were earrings appear to be just bangles hanging from her headband. She has no oh. ears at all. She puts them up with her hair, I, I guess. guess. Yeah. It's one of those cases where, I guess, just like Sherlock Hound, it would be weird if they showed them. It's easier just to not have them. Yeah. I remember the other thing that I was, uh, I wanted to mention, and it actually doesn't have yeah. to do with the triathlon, really. Oh, these have to be earrings. Anyway, go on. Um... She, so Goofy, you know, he does his studying and gets his grades up and yep. he gets straight A's. He, yeah. Um, how does he get straight A's when he already failed an exam? 
It was the midterm. Yeah, but so was the other, like, it was a midterm, and then he took another midterm. Like, the test that he did really well on and then checked the grades for was also a midterm. I actually went back and checked. There are two midterm exams. And there are multiple subjects in college. So, okay, two midterms exams is acceptable. There's probably lots of midterm exams. But he failed the first one. So I guess he must have finessed the professor like hmm. that. That guy was surely pretty pliable where Goofy should have, you know, maybe he was just earnest. Like I was having problems with my son and, you know, and he managed to make it up. Yeah. Or, you know, he does have a history in this movie of bribing people. Sure. Or or he actually did really well in this exam in his goofy kind of way. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> he drew a bunch of he, all those flowers he was doodling were actually the right answers. <laughs> well, he was in his well, he was in his depressed 70s dream. He actually did figure yes. out the meaning of the universe. <laughs> that that would be so goofy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> OK. 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 So I think overall we had a pretty good time watching. this. Yeah, it was all right. I don't think it was as good as the first one. Um, I think there was okay. concepts in here that kind of make me cringe. Like I didn't. I, you can only be embarrassed by Goofy so many times. Um, <laughs> okay. I think, you know, the, I don't know what I think of Beret Girl. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, sure. But, yeah, it's Mostly it's I like her and how it reflects on Pete. I think, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I You mean PJ? Sorry, well, his name is his uh, name, Pete. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, for a straight-to-video sequel, like, saying that this is... You know, th- this is this is better than a lot of Disney. Like, you know, I would rather oh, I would rather by, watch by that mark. I, yeah. I mean, I would, you know, some of those Aladdin movies were OK and the Lion King sequels were oh, good. Yeah. But okay. like there's stuff like they they got up to like three Cinderella's. Sure. And there's a Beauty and the Beast things oh, that are kind of terrible. Yeah, and, there's yeah. very there's. It, they yeah, as I understand the Mulan is the worst one, but okay. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's a Pocahontas. I remember <laughs> the Pocahontas movie. It ended with her deciding not to go back to England. And I was like, wait mm. a minute. This is the, you know, I know you're trying to do something different of like, Oh, it's such a sacrifice that these two lovers can't be together, but she did go to England historically. And so they had to do right. a straight to video sequel where it's like, Oh, right. She actually does go to England now. Yeah, and doesn't John Smith end up in the bin with Roxanne as well? She finds a different guy there, doesn't she? I, well, I think that might also be historically accurate. I don't know my, I don't know my Pocahontas that well. Well, that's never been a great romance anyway. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. (laughs) There's a whole other topic. Let's. Anyway, yeah, yeah. this is enjoyable. Not as enjoyable as the first one, but still fine. You know, you may, if you're, you know, if you want to see how it ends up, this, because this is, this is the finale of Goof Troop. I guess it's the TV series and the two movies. And that's it for Goof Troop. Yeah. Until we get the movie where Max has to put Goofy in a home. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. OK, so let's get on to the next week. Now, it's been a while since we've done uh, shorts. Yeah. We're going back to that. Yeah. Uh, Matsy, I got some goodies for you. Here. OK. So the first one is a Warner Brothers short called Fox Pop. Fox Pop. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it might be a, oh, wait a minute. I think I might know what this one is. Okay. Okay. I'll wait and see. Well, you'll certainly, when it starts, you'll go, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. The other short I have for you, uh, this is a more modern one 
And my third pick from the Animation Workshop, who prior gave us, um, I was going to say Hillbilly Elegy. That's not it. The the one about the cowboy town or the, the town with the Undertaker. And yes, the, yes, yes, yes. One. Yeah, okay. I can't remember the name of it, but I know the one you mean. Okay. My third pick from the Animation Workshop is The Reward. The Reward. All right. Yes. You might have seen it before. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, for you, uh, mm-hmm. I picked out some comfortable ones that cover territory we've covered before. Uh, I got a Foghorn Leghorn one for you. Uh, okay. This one is called Strangled Eggs. <laughs> okay. And I got a Droopy. It's called Droopy's Double Trouble. Okay. Sure. It's, it's one that you'll probably figure out pretty quick when you see it. Oh, oh I think so. And also... Uh, do yourself a favor and watch Rejected by Don Hertzfeld. Okay. Yeah, that's not an assignment, sure. but uh, I can't believe... I I am sure that once you see it, you'll go, oh, right, this thing. Maybe I, so. I cannot believe there's a world where you haven't seen that. Okay. So, four or five, depending on how you count them, shorts for next week. Won't that be exciting? Yeah. Until then, tell us what we could be watching. Ask us some questions so that we can fumble an answer out on the podcast. I am at DrabSwatch on the Twitters. I am at AC Matsy on the Twitter. And now, Slogan Man. (laughs) Admit defeat, and defeat will surely admit you into permanent custody, my man. (laughs) 